Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. How are you doing this morning? It's great to see you. Who thought Gwen did a great job at announcements today? Come on, it was better than that. I think you're very good. You don't know how difficult announcements are. Seriously, they are taken art forms. Thank you, Gwen, for that. And that was wonderful. Um, so I'm going to just get crack on with the message today. And, uh, and this is part two of our, of our series called Living a Life of Faith. And we're looking at the book of Hebrews, and we're looking at different characters that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, if you don't know, is a, it's got a list of different characters in the Bible, particularly from the Old Testament, who have been heroes of the faith. They've done things that have, that have been echoed in eternity to do with faith. And so we're going to be looking at some of these characters of the next sort of six weeks altogether. And uh, I'm really excited about that. This whole series is really about we're living in a, a life that is changing all the time. There's challenges that we're, we're experiencing and stresses and, and things that come our way. And is it, what is faith? What does faith look like for you and my life? Can we really, as, as Christians, live a life of faith? You know, we, 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 we hear the word faith all the time, but can we really do that? Um, when challenges come our way. So, welcome to this part two of this series. Just a quick recap. If you weren't here last week, don't worry. Just going to do a quick recap of last, of last week's um, message. Last week, we looked at the character of Enoch, faith that pleases God. And uh, we looked at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And this is, if you like, if you want a bit of a definition of faith, I think this is great. Now, faith is the substance. Everyone say Substance. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So it's almost like it's got legs. It's like it's tangible. Faith is something that's tangible. We hope for something. Maybe in your situation, your lives, you're, you're, you're expecting God to do something in your life or something that you love. That's faith. And then a definition. Well, faith is a gift from God. Faith comes from God. We can't muster it up. Faith comes from God. It's a gift from him, which is more than both, both a head knowledge or a passive trust. It's not simply blindly saying, God, I trust you, as good as that is. It's something that's tangible. Faith comes as God speaks his word to us. And if you like, I like this expression, faith is a divine persuasion. It's where God, into your heart, from his heart into your heart, says, I'm going to be doing this. And you receive that and think, wow. Who's ever experienced a time in your life when you suddenly felt you don't know how it's going to happen, but God's going to do something. That divine persuasion has come from his heart into your heart. You, this is going to happen. I've got no idea how. And that's that, that gift of faith that comes. And then we look very briefly in, in this part, faith versus belief. So faith is that divine persuasion that comes from God. It's that, it's that gift, it's that revelation of what is true. But then there's another word, belief. And this is our responsibility. So God's faith comes to us and belief is our choice about whether we're going to receive what God has told us or not. Whether we're going to receive what God has revealed to our hearts or not. So in a sense, we had this big idea last, last week, which is about faith comes to us, that divine um, revelation that God wants to do something on your behalf or someone else's behalf, and then we've got to come to faith. faith when faith comes to us, we must come to faith. Now, sometimes that divine revelation is something that's very specific to your situations. But sometimes it's just generic in Scripture that God is a God that provides. God is a God that loves us. God is a God that guides us. 
So we need to that, take that, that as faith from God and then walk to that faith, come to that faith, because God says it in his word. And who knows that as a Christian, as a follower, Christ follower, I believe this book. I believe this book. I don't believe parts of it. I believe it all. So when faith comes to me as I'm opening the book, if I'm not opening the book, how can faith come to me? So I'm opening it up. Faith comes to me. Then I'm going to choose or not choose. It's up to me. God gives us a choice to come to faith or not. So that was last week. And Enoch lived a life that pleased God. He lived a life of walking with God. So this week, we're looking at part two. And we're looking at the life of Abel, entitled The Heart of Faith. Hands up if you've ever sat an exam. Okay. So I'm going to say some stuff today, which is, um, hopefully all of us, whether we're listening on podcast or here in the service, they can really apply to our lives. But exams are something that I'm sure we have all faced, whether it's in our childhood, we sat exams, at university days, sitting exams. In the workplace these days, there's a number of exams you have to sit, continuous learning. We have to sit exams all the time. Now, I'm going to say something. You're not going to think I'm really bizarre, but I used to love exams. No, not, not the exams itself, but this is it. You know the feeling before an exam? You sit, you're standing in the exam queue, and I was always one of those people with all my revision notes. I always believed in last-minute revision. Any second I could get, I'd get it into my head. Everyone was like, I'll oh, put it away, it's no good. I was not reading it. But I love those feelings before an exam where literally you've got the butterflies in your tummy. You don't know how this exam's going to go. It's either going to go incredibly well, not many times, Incredibly bad, or somewhere in between. And there's nerves, and I, oh, I just, everyone else was really petrified, but I just loved that feeling. And there was a sense of community. Everyone was like, it's a bit like being on death row. Everyone was like, waiting, waiting for the exam, waiting like queue for the, 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 uh, the dentist. And it's like, oh, how's it going to go? So that was pre exam. Then during the exam, you open up the, the, the papers, and you suddenly realize just how little you knew. Now, who remembers the invigilators, the floor walkers? Oh, they, it's like they had power, wasn't it? There's you struggling with your exam paper, and they'd be walking, check, checking no one's cheating, making sure everyone's writing okay, you know. And it, they'd always come near me when I was on a question that I had no idea what to do. And I don't know, it was probably a bit of pride in me, I don't know what it is looking back. But I thought, I'm not going to let them get the better of me. I've got no idea what it is. So as they came down my aisle, I'd go, and pretend to write on the paper. I had no idea what I was writing. Oh, dear. And then after the exam, after the exam, you're, you're then going, meeting with your mates, and everyone's going, what did you put? Question five, question four. And it's at that, that point. I might have been excited before the exam started, but after it was like, oh, head in your hands. What was that about? Um, exams. We all, all face them. Exams are really, it's a, it's a moment of truth, isn't it? It's a moment of truth that what you've been preparing for or not, what you've been studying hard for or not, when it comes to it, with a bit of luck in terms of the questions that you're going to be set to answer, it's a moment of truth about whether you're prepared enough to write the right answers down in the right way, to then get a piece of paper in your hand, to then get into the next season of your life, or whatever the exam and the purpose of the exam is for. A moment of truth. The reality is, in our lives, we all face moments of truth. If you're not a Christian here today, 
You face moments of truth all the time. How's life going to go for you? If you're a Christian here today, we face moments of truth all the time. Not just how is life going to go for us, but is God going to come through for me, my family, my friends, as I really want him to? Maybe you've been praying about a particular issue for a long, long time. Issues to do with relationships. Maybe you're looking for a job. Maybe financial need that you have. Is God going to come through? Is God really going to be come through according to what his word says? Yes, Dave, you said about faith comes to us, but has it really come to me? And therefore, can I really come to faith? Well, this is where we're going to look at the, the life of Abel. Looking at the heart of faith. So if you've got your Bibles, if you can turn with me to um, Genesis chapter 4. And I've got this idea today. The big idea today is that faith starts with the heart inside out. Faith starts with the heart. It's inside out. So in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1, we read this. Okay? So Adam made love to his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now, some um, theologians think that wonder whether actually Cain and Abel were twins. Because obviously there's talking there about Adam and Eve making love only once and, and delivering or giving birth twice. I don't know the answer to that. That's what some people may think. Now, Abel kept flocks. So Abel was a shepherd. Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil, like Cain was a, a farmer. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the last of his flock, firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look, look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. We'll just keep it there. So here we have two offerings taking place. And God has looked at both men giving an offering. And at one, he's pleased, he's favorable on that man, on Abel and his offering. And on Cain, the person, the man, and his, his offering, he is not pleased. New King James Version uses the word disrespects. He disrespects Cain and disrespects Cain's offering. So we're thinking, well, what is it about this offering that is so important to God, in God's eyes, that Abel has brought, and so unimportant about the way Cain has done it in Cain's eyes? Well, the first few questions here, and we don't know necessarily all the answers to these, but the question I had, is this the first offering that has ever happened in Scripture? Well, in terms of in Scripture, it's the first mention of an offering, okay? But we don't know whether it's the first one. If we just go to the next slide. Sometimes with Scripture, it's good to look at the whole Council of Scripture, not sometimes, it's good to look at the whole Council of Scripture and see what other passages are saying so we can get some understanding. So what was it about this offering that was so got, got God's attention 
that he was so pleased with Abel and displeased with Cain. Because surely God loves us all. It's true. God does love us all. But he was so disrespectful of Cain's offering. So Hebrews 11 verse 4 says this. By faith, everyone say by faith. By faith, Abel brought a God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. We'll come to this in the story, but Cain got so angry, his heart changed so much that he killed his brother Abel. Here we see the plural, offerings. So there's a sense maybe that actually... This wasn't a first-time offering. There's a pattern in Scripture of them giving offerings. We don't know for sure, but there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's certainly a principle there. We do know that God spoke with Cain and Abel as he did with Adam and Eve, their parents. So there was commu- communication, there's conversations going on. So there's nothing to say that God didn't tell them what an offering was to look like. So there's something about the offering, the type of offering which which God didn't like. We're in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 20 to 24. I'm just going to jump in a bit. But, but you've come to, says the writer of Hebrews, verse 24, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. There's different types of offerings in the sacrificial system. In the, uh, through, the, through the Mosaic law, through Moses, he introduced and wrote down how offerings were to be. There had to be a death of a firstborn animal. That animal had to die. It had to be sacrificed on a place, a physical place called an altar. And the person that was bringing that offering would put their hand on the head of the animal as if to identify God I've sinned against you. Who's ever done anything wrong? And the blood of that animal, as it was sacrificed, I'm so thankful we don't have to do this today. It'd be messy. The blood of that animal would be what the Bible calls an atonement. That basically means in one moment of time, that person's sin is like, what sin? God has forgotten it. God has forgiven it. And in that sacrificial system, that's what used to happen. And this is outside of the, of the system because we, um, the law hasn't been given. So obviously sacrifices have started to happen. And it talks about the blood of Abel. When Cain killed his brother, Abel, it says, when we read this in a minute, his blood cried out. God knew that a murder, the first recorded murder, had ever happened. And that crying out was for vengeance. Jesus, God in the flesh, came. He came and lived a sinless life. And he also, in a sense, was murdered just like Abel. Because if you kill someone that's innocent, what is it? Jesus' blood cries out. It doesn't cry out vengeance. It shouts grace. It shouts grace. If you're a Christian here today, and you've come to that point where you say, God, forgive me of my sins, then God's loving kindness has been lavished upon your life that you have the privilege of having a special privileged relationship with Father God because of the sprinkled blood of Jesus. And the sprinkled blood of Jesus is so much better, the graceful blood of Jesus is so much better than that vengeful blood of Abel. 
And in 1 John 3, verse 12, it writes, Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions, everyone say actions. His actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. When, the, the, when John is writing that, he's not talking about his actions in terms of the murder of his brother. He's talking about his actions in terms of the way that he did offerings. The way that he walked with God. His actions were evil. Well, why were they evil? What was it about this offering? Well, in the Bible, there's different types of offerings. There's the offerings in terms of wheat and grain. Well, he was a farmer. He could have brought the first fruits. The first fruits offering is where you give the first of your crop that year. First, he could have given that. The Bible doesn't say that. It just says he gave an offering. And actually, the first fruit offering would have cost a lot of money because there wasn't less in loads and loads of grain. Okay? Perhaps animals were more in abundance. But it's about the blood. It's about the blood. The blood had to be spilt. And imagine that God has had this conversation with Cain and Abel saying, come on, when you do a, an offering, when you do an offering, there has to be blood that's shed. So what was it in Cain, rephrase that, what was it in Cain's heart that so displeased the Lord? I think it's this. I want to do it my way. I want to do it my way. I want to give what I want to give and I want to live my, my life my way. Have you ever done something, and don't put your hands up, you've done something and it's on the surface it looks like a good religious act, but your heart's not been in it? I have. Sometimes I've prayed and my heart's not been in it. I thought to myself afterwards, oh, what was that about? There's no faith, there's no connection, there's no passion. It's just going through the motions. In a sense, that's what Cain was doing. He was going through the motions he was, because he wanted to do life his way. Where Abel, Abel, his offering so pleased the Lord, he did it God's way. So we're going to carry on with the, um, the chapter very quickly. In verse 6, then the Lord said to Cain, and I love this, this is the heart of God to all of us. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why was Cain angry? When God asks us questions, it's not because God doesn't know the answers. It's because it's, he wants to challenge us to think about what we're doing in life. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden and God says, where are you, Adam? Well, it's not like, oh, I don't know where you are. I'm almighty God. I've got no idea where you're hiding. Perhaps behind that bush over there. He knew, but he was asking the question to get out of them a sense of what are they about? Why are they doing what they're doing? And here the question comes to Cain. Why are you angry? Why is that relationship with me now turned to anger? What's caused it? Why is your face downcast? Because what's going on the inside has a reflection on our outward appearance. Sometimes we, we can fool ourselves and we can wear a mask. But we know deep down when we're not really great. And it's, I would say it's, it's okay not to be okay. But we can't stay in that position. God wants to help us out of that position. Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, this is the action. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Now, we, we, we miss this in the Hebrew. But why is your face downcast? Accepted means to be uprising. 
almost like the context is like God is saying, if you do right, your face will start to smile again. Who likes to be happy? If you do what is right, you'll be accepted. Your face will start to smile again. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door, the door of your tent. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. You must rule over it. Now, before we give Cain a massively hard time, okay, we all do things that are wrong. Jesus said, if you hate your brother without a cause, you're a murderer. Lust can lead to adultery. Now, Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? God knew. God knew what had happened. This premeditated murder, maybe Cain had looked around, looked um, at what Cain had, at Abel, his brother, had done, compared his offering, compared the response of God to him, and maybe jealousy had got inside of the heart of Cain. Comparison is such a, a bad thing, a deadly thing. Because when we compare ourselves with others, actually often it's us that lose out. Because there's always going to be someone around with more things than you, more health than you, more money than you. Comparison is not a good game. I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. And the Lord put a mark on Cain so that one no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain thought, it's too much. I'm going to become a restless wanderer if you drive me from your presence. And who knows that when we're not right with God, there's a restlessness that comes upon our lives. When we're not right with God, sometimes for me, it's like if I've not had a quiet time first thing in the morning, I can be a bit edgy with, with people. And I just know, ah, oh, I'm... It's just myself. And there's an edginess that comes in your walk with others and various things. And there's a restlessness. And when you're not living right with God, there's a restlessness that comes in to your life because you're not walking under the covering of God because we need to keep right with God. Faith starts with the heart inside out. And very quickly, I just want to tell us three things. If faith starts with the heart, then we need to rem- remember three things. The first thing is where your attitude You can be honest with me this morning. Does it suit me? Is this my, matching my glasses? Is this my, my colour? It's, it's very tight. Okay. It's, it's not great, is it? Or is it? I don't know. Tell me. Don't tell lies, we're in church. Okay. Is it, is it okay or? No, no. Okay, it is, oh gosh, let's get that off quickly. <laughs> Dear me. Must be Daniel's. No. 
<laughs> Let's try this one. This is probably, oh, that feels a bit better. Is that better? Great, great. Your attitude, you wear it on the outside. You wear your attitude on the outside. We can try and keep it inside. We can try and fake it and fake ourselves. And, and reality is we wear our attitude. And because of Cain's attitude, because of envying, leading to anger, his countenance, his face dropped. I'm not saying this, that we've now got to walk around church life with fake smiles. We need, I love the thing beautiful about the church is it's a community of people from all walks of life with our struggles, our challenges, but we can be honest with each other. But when we're honest with each other, if we're going through something, you can say, would you, I'm going through a difficult time right now, would you pray for me? And we can stand in faith. But we wear it on the outside. If things are going well, if we're right with God, we can wear that on the outside too. You wear your attitude. Attitude is your convictions. It's what do you really believe in? What do you really hold to be true? Cain, what was he really believing in? He thought he was having a hard time. Maybe God preferred Abel to him. But God said, no, Cain, I love you. If you do well, if you do it again, sacrifice again, but this time do it the way that I want you to do it. If you do well, I'm going to accept you and your offering. That's what God was saying to him. But he warned him. God warned him. Sin is lying at your door. But Cain couldn't do it. We wear our attitude on the outside. The second thing to say is we need to adjust our attitude. Um, One of our toilets in our house is a macerator toilet. Okay, for those of you who don't know what a macerator toilet is, it's one of those toilets that when you go to a, a, a restaurant, it makes a noise, so when you flush it, it goes, and it's got this like blade that goes around and all the stuff goes through it and chops it up. And it, anyway, the last person to use the toilet was Isabella. And there was a little bit of a blockage. So... Um, Guess you drew the short straw on, on Friday. You had to use some tools to. Oh, I don't even go into it. It's, it's, it's X rated stuff, you know. Um, anyway, it's, it's, it's workable now. <laughs> but I had to use different tools for the job. And I, I like this little set. This is what parents got me. They've got little screwdrivers and spanners, and, and everything's got a different size, different shape, and all sorts of things. And, I'm, I'm not a DIY, I sound like I'm a DIY, I'm not a DIY person at all, I really am not. I prefer it when someone else could do it, because it always takes me so long. I had to literally take off a screw and put it back together again on a Jubilee clip. It took me an hour. <sighs> Nightmare. Anyway, but sometimes when, when you're doing DIY, you have to adjust things, don't you? You have to change things. And God would say the same to you today. What in your life about your attitudes do you need to adjust? What in your life, in terms of your convictions about God, about his word, about faith, about challenges, about situations, do you think, well, maybe my response to that 
isn't great. Maybe I, if I'm really honest with myself, I don't know if I believe that God can really do that. Do you know what? Those sort of questions are really good questions. To be honest before God and say, God, I'm really not sure about that. I was having a conversation like that with God even this week. Because when you have a conversation about that and you're really real with God, then, as you adjust, faith can come. Because God can then show you things in his word where you can think, actually, that's true. So now I've got a choice. I can either stay where I'm at in terms of, I'm not sure, God, whether you can do that. Or I can say, well, God, that's what your word is saying. I'm going to make a choice now to choose to believe what you're saying. Maybe it's in the area of, it could be anything, area of identity. It could be the area of, well, maybe sometimes people have low self-esteem in themselves. Struggle. Well, God says he loves you. He loves me. So if he loves me and he loves you, then he's, he's, he made you the way that you are. He, he, you couldn't be any more handsome or beautiful in the sight of God than you are. Can I also say, he's made the person next to you. Turn to the person next to you and say he's made you as well. So sometimes we might put a downer on ourselves and we might need to adjust our attitude. Well, God loves me. I'm perfect in his, in his image, made in the image of God. But also God's made the person next to you. Now, I'm not trying to cause anything here, but like sometimes we can look at other people and we might have a little thought, a little bad thought. It says, oh, look at them. Look at them. Hang on, they've been made in the image of God. Amen? Made in the image of God. We need to adjust our face. Maybe in the area of God's provision, things come. We might just think, well, God, you can provide for, for so-and-so. You can provide for that person. It's okay for them. But you won't really provide for me. Well, what does God's word say? Matthew chapter 6. Look at the birds. Look at the birds of the field. God loves you and God will meet your needs. God will look after you. God loves you. We need to adjust our attitude. And the final thing is to say. Actions follow attitude. It's a bit dusty. (laughs) Got a little mirror here. Who remembers a Michael Jackson song? Man in the Mirror. Now, I'm not going to sing it because it will start raining. I'm looking at the man in the mirror. Ooh. I'm going to make a change. Ooh. We can have all the attitudes. We can have all the, the faith that we can muster up. God's will can come to us. We can understand what he's saying to us in the Bible. He's going to meet our needs. He loves us. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And everything else, from Genesis to Revelation, faith comes to us. Now we've got to look ourselves in the mirror and say, I'm going to come to faith. My action, action has to follow my attitude. My convictions, if I hold it, I'm going to step out in faith. And I'm going to do it. What is God saying to you today? What is God saying to you about him. What is God saying to you about your family? What is God saying to you about your situation? Work situations, any situation. 
you got a chance to look at the man or the woman in the mirror and say, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to step out. I'm going to do whatever God asks me to do. Don't just do anything. Do what God's asking you to do. Many ways we can do that. Do you know what? When we're going through hard times, as we're, we're encouraged to do in Hebrews 10, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Keep gathering together as church. Keep gathering together as life groups. Because when we're doing community together, we're not on our own. When we're on our own, we can be picked off. But keep together. Even when your faith levels are low, keep together. Keep gathering. Keep encouraging each other. Just keep doing that. Let's keep serving. Do you know what? When we're going through a hard time, what's the last thing we want to do? Serve. What's the first thing you should do? Serve. Why? Because it gets your eyes off of yourself, Cain, uh, selfishness, off of yourself onto others. And when you serve someone else, suddenly you feel better because your eyes are doing something positive and helping someone else out. What else can we do? We say this is simple stuff. Open up the word of God. Open up the word of God. Start with a psalm. Start somewhere. Start in the Gospels. Open up the word of God. And don't just read chapters. Just meditate on it. God, what are you trying to say to me about this particular aspect? If we don't know the whole counsel of Scripture, I know it's not easy to read. I get that. But God will speak to you through it. What else can we do? Pray. Yeah, 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 I know. Pray. No, pray. Seriously, pray. 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 Pray in faith. Prayer starts with, God, I... I honestly don't know, I feel rubbish, God, because I'm going to be a Christian, but I don't know if you can really do that. God loves those prayers. Honest, real. I don't know where I, I feel sometimes a bit raw, because I know other people, they're doing well at that, but I'm not so good at that. But your word says that you can do that. So God, if your word says you're going to provide for me, your word says you love me, if your word says that you're going to do this for me and my family, if your word says that you're a God that heals I know, God, you don't always heal. I don't understand that. But you're a God that heals. The Bible says it. I'm going to believe that you're going to heal. And suddenly your language starts to get faith-filled, faith-fueled. I believe that you can heal that person in my family that is sick, where the doctors have been to, and it seems desperate. I believe that you can provide because you say you can provide for my needs. God, come on. And start to be, let faith arise. Be strong with God. He's your father. He's your father. And he, he invites you to come before him. He invites you. He gives you permission to come before him, to have an audience with him, to spend time with him. He gives you permission. And he gives you permission to ask. 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 Seek first the kingdom of God and all, this, and all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Let's be big askers in God. Let's not shrink back. Big, big, big askers. I dare you as a bit of homework this week. Be big askers. I dare it over your family. Even if you've got no needs, even if you've got no needs, ask something big of God in your, in your family, in your friends, in your community, in your workplace. Maybe you've been going to work and there's someone who's got a good relationship at work and they're not yet a Christian. Ask God to save them. And by the way, the answer might come through you. Yeah? Come on, let faith arise. I believe as a church, everyone, that God is calling us to a new level, a new realm of faith. And who is the church? It's you and it's me. The church is not going to rise to a new level of faith if it's just Leanne 
rising in faith. As each of you, and I love this because here in this room today and listening on podcasts is a whole mosaic of, fa- of family situations, of individual situations where God is just looking for opportunities to, to show he, that he's able to help, show he's able to intervene. But he asks you to ask him. He won't do it. He won't do it. He won't bypass free will. So use your free will to say, God, I invite you into the situation. Come on. Change it around. And by the way, I said this last week, it may not be do it on the first attempt, the second day, the third day, the fourth day. Jeremiah, a prophet of God, had to pray for 10 days before the answer came. Yeah. 10 days. I'm not saying it's going to come after 10 days. So, yeah. But faith released. Let God allow you as an individual and your family. If you're married, pray together. Pray some specific things together. This, I, I, I love to pray by myself. But there's times that I pray with Leanne and we just really go for it. Really go for it. Because we, we pray differently and I like, we like to express ourselves in, in different ways. So we pray together. But there's times we just let, let it rip. Let it rip with God. Tell him where you're at. Be honest. And then let your faith soar. Faith is just saying, okay, God, I I trust you. And now I am making a decision to come to faith. And I'm going to believe you at your word. God, either you're going to be a liar or you're going to prove yourself trustworthy because you've said it and I'm coming to faith. Let's pray. I'm just going to pray in a few moments. Um, Just ask God right now where you're at. Just ask God, what are you, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What are you saying to me over my family situation? What are you saying to me over my, over my individual situation? Just ask God. And we have a team that would just love to pray for, pray for you as soon as the service is over. We just ask that you'd come to the front, to my left, your right. As soon as the service is finished, and the team would just love to pray with you. Maybe you've got a need. Maybe it's a health issue, a financial issue. You just want some breakthrough. You know, the God, another principle God gives us is the power of agreement. And you don't have to be a regular at this church. You don't have to be a partner of this church to come forward for prayer. But we want to pray with you and stand with you in faith and believe that your faith level can rise to another dimension. Maybe you're here today and you're not even yet a Christian. Wow, today could be a celebration for you. So I'm going to pray right now. If you want to receive this prayer, just lift your hands to heaven. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.